Hello and welcome to the Consistency Project with E.C. Sinkowski. My name is Patrick Cummings and every episode I have the distinct privilege of presenting E.C. with a question on subject matters that range from nutrition to fitness to the choices we can all make to live a healthier, more functional life. By exploring both the principles at play and the actions worth carrying out as a result, we aim to get you thinking, get you moving, and get you taking more consistent steps toward optimizing your well-being. Thank you as always for tuning into the show Hello, and how are you, EC? I'm awesome. Thank you. Oh, awesome. I love hearing that. Collagen. Hmm. Let's do what it. What is it? Give me like the 30,000 foot view of like, what is collagen? What do I need to understand? Yeah. I mean, some of these podcasts just just are, okay, you know, I've had enough questions. We're at the critical, <laughs> critical mass <laughs> the Critical <questions>. mass. <laughs> there needs to be a podcast to answer yes. the collagen question. And, you know, it's the classic, what about college in question. So we have to kind of do a deeper dive because typically we have to look at, you know, a bunch of different factors to really answer this comprehensively. I don't know when it was. I tried to figure out when it was. I I think it was maybe 2013. It seemed like collagen became this really mainstream supplement. Maybe it was slightly earlier. You know, the U.S. supplement market is 31 billion annually, which is insane. Collagen is estimated to be 6.5 billion of that by 2025. So a huge portion of the supplement market which is just crazy to think about it. And, and obviously the global or the total market for collagen is even higher because that's just supplements. We, you know, it could also be skincare and yeah. whatever cosmetics, but why collagen? So collagen is the most abundant protein in the body. It makes up about 25 to 35% of whole body proteins. And it's found mostly in connective tissues like cartilage and bones and tendons and ligaments and, and skin. But, you know, it's also in your corneas and your blood vessels and the gut and the discs of your back and your teeth and coatings surrounding the different individual muscle cells. And so when people think of collagen, I think they just think skin, you know, and it's Mm. like, yes, and (laughs) typically things are a little bit more complicated in, in the body. But remember, okay, so we've got this protein. Amino acids are the building blocks of protein, and there's generally considered to be these 20 amino acids, nine of which are essential, so we must obtain them from the diet. The 11 others are non-essential, so our body can create them. And the composition of the amino acids that make up most of the collagen protein are glycine, proline, and hydroxyproline. Now, the first thing to point out about these three amino acids that make up a good percentage of collagen is that they are non-essential, meaning you don't need to eat them in your diet for your body to be able to produce them. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a good kind of first point that I don't think it's that surprising that the most abundant protein in the body is primarily composed of non-essential amino acids, because if it's so common and we need so much of it, the body probably was designed in such a way that we don't have to get super specific sources of it, right? Mm -hmm. That we could kind of create it endogenously. And so that's sort of my first question when I think about the need for collagen. If I need to eat enough protein from other sources and the body can kind of create it from other sources. Do I really need to eat collagen specifically? But the general line of reasoning or argument for supplementation is that, you know, why don't we feed it the amino acids that it does specifically use in the skin, in the joint, instead of making it necessarily create it from other sources. And then of course, once you have anything that has an aesthetic or anti-aging claim, (laughs) it's definitely going to gain some popularity and and traction. So that probably has a lot to do with its popularity and and what it's doing. (laughs) Yeah, I imagine. So I think my little bit of exposure to it, I think what I've seen it in 
or what I've seen it kind of referenced in or, or whatever is like something like bone broth mm. or, or gelatin or stuff right. like that. Like, is that generally like where one finds it that other than the, I think the skincare stuff that maybe you'd mentioned earlier. Right. Yeah. It's kind of confusing because there are all these kind of collagen like products out there. What are they all? You know, you mentioned gelatin that is of course in jello, but you also have that in deli meat sort of as a filler mm. and gelatin is just partially degraded collagen, right? So we've got these really long chains of amino acids that are protein. If we start breaking them down, we're going to get down to gelatin. And so you can think about gelatin and collagen as virtually the same, but that is not the same as bone broth. So Collagen is in bones, but bones aren't only made of collagen. So when you have bone broth, yes, you could have some collagen, but you're also going to have mm. other things that are in bones like calcium and magnesium. Although the mineral content of, of bone broth is probably less than you think when you hear that. And some of this bone broth composition, that's a tongue twister, ranging <laughs> from the different minerals that are in it to the different amino acids and, and the protein kind of depends on the preparation. There was a study that found that when people are making their bone broth at home is that they, they found that the concentrations of these different constituents varied kind of widely. And so if you're really mm. interested in taking collagen, you might be better off taking a collagen supplement, whether or not we need to to be determined as we'll get into. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that maybe doing the home version, we don't get quite the same amount that we think. And so that's bone broth. Now, a lot of people, what they're doing is they're doing the powders. That's what I use. Actually, I do use collagen as a supplement and it's the hydrolyzed collagen. So basically they've broken down the gelatin even further into either single amino acids or just one or two amino acids kind of stuck together. So it's just a further broken down product from gelatin or even collagen that would be, you know, in the fish, fish skin or chicken skin or something like that. So in advance of this, we were chatting a little bit about wh why this. And I think one of the questions that you get a lot is where, how, how much do I count collagen for my daily protein intake? Totally. Where do you recommend or what do you do yourself as it relates to counting it or not counting it? Yeah, that's a common question. Should I count collagen towards my protein target? I'm not really sure who said you shouldn't count it. I do <laughs> count it towards my total protein. I think the theory for not counting it is because collagen is not considered a complete protein. So I mentioned that there's these nine essential amino acids we need to obtain from food. When a protein food contains those nine essential amino acids and in enough quantities to support just regular growth and development, we call that protein complete. And that's typical of our animal sources, not of plant sources. But collagen, which is derived from animal sources, is not a complete protein. It doesn't have enough of the amino acid tryptophan. And, and to be honest, the levels of the other essential amino acids are quite low compared to something like more meat or, or even a whey protein. Now, the RDA recommendation for protein, which is about 0.36 grams per pound of body weight, is based on the assumption that individuals are getting their protein from, quote, good sources to ensure mm -hmm. that they're getting enough of these essential amino acids. So collagen would not qualify as a good source. Yes, we could do a whole podcast or more on how they really label good and, and the measurements of that, but we'll just leave it at that for now. But But typically you know, protein recommendations for athletes or even to prevent sarcopenia are much higher than this RDA level. I mean, as you've heard me say before, I, I recommend this 0.7 level grams per pound mm. of body weight, which is effectively double the RDA. So, and I'm even at the lower end of, of protein recommendations in the functional fitness space. So I'm not particularly concerned that people aren't getting enough of the essential amino acids when they have this collagen addition to their diet. 
you know, if you did your whole diet as just collagen, (laughs) (laughs) yes, we have a problem. But again, (laughs) who's doing that? You know, cost and monotony hopefully prevent us from doing these really weird things. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, if somebody was truly flirting with basic essential levels of protein in the diet, I I would be a little bit more concerned about fastidiously counting all of my sources and making sure my bases are covered. But when collagen, when I have it on the days that I have it, it might be 20 grams of my 120 grams for the day. It's just, it's just not a significant enough portion to even worry about or try to categorize it differently. And so I just don't think for people that are at this 0.7 multiplier or even higher, which is a lot of the people in this audience, that not counting it provides any sort of benefit or significant benefit kind of gets to the like, why do why right <laughs> why collagen what is the point of it and again when we were just chatting about this why you wanted to have this conversation you mentioned at least a couple of things that people claim are aiming for so it's uh, skin health and joint health mm-hmm. let's talk about that a little bit totally yeah there's some other suggestions out there which it's funny i was reading this blog just to sort of see what's in the mainstream about collagen and, and one of the uses i don't even want to say what it was but it leads off with although there is no scientific evidence <laughs> i'm like Okay, well, let's Collagen move will on. make you three inches taller. <laughs> let's stick with where they've, you know, have some reasoning for this one. Okay, but it, it seems to be, you know, where there is really some research on it for sure is skin health and joint health. The skin health is one is interesting. You know, we're going to tackle it mostly from the aesthetic point of view, but they are looking at collagen for wound healing type stuff. You know, it could be mm. chronic wounds like pressure, ulcers, I think even, even burn recovery. So some mm. really interesting applications there. And from what I can kind of see... No surprise, more research is needed for it to be truly an effective clinical approach. But, you know, collagen definitely has been studied for these aesthetic skin health reasons. And there was actually a systematic review and meta-analysis that came out by De Miranda, and it was this year, 2021, the title being Effects of Hydrolyzed Collagen Supplementation on Skin Aging, a systematic review and meta-analysis. And it was in the International Journal of Dermatology. And so again, these studies are great. They're pulling together results from a bunch of different studies This one had 19 studies in it, and their conclusion was, quote, based on results, ingestion of hydrolyzed collagen for 90 days is effective in reducing skin aging as it reduces wrinkles and improves skin elasticity and hydration, end quote. So I was a little surprised to hear that there was this significant effect. So I, of course, wanted to take a closer look at those 19 studies. Now, of those 19, only eight of them looked at collagen individually, meaning Mm. A lot of those trials, or the other 11, they were looking at these proprietary blends of collagen, and maybe it was mixed with vitamin C, which is needed to form collagen, and maybe vitamin E, and maybe zinc, and maybe biotin, and fruit extracts, and you name it. And and I get why (laughs) companies fund this research, right? If they want to show that their supplement is effective, and they just show that collagen is effective, then people don't have to buy their proprietary blend, right? But the problem with this is, of course, we can't say that the effect was just because of the collagen. And then the other thing to point out that when some of these studies are looking at collagen, I was wanted to know what the placebo was. And they often use maltodextrin, which is just basically glucose as the placebo. And so I think it'd be really interesting to see, you know, if we could just test collagen, not the proprietary blend with the vitamins, minerals, and compare it to just another protein source like whey. Because I want to know, are we seeing the effect because it's specifically collagen? Or are we seeing the effect because it's just more protein, right? Mm. Now, the reason why there's this argument that, you know, collagen is so unique and it has to be collagen and not just more protein 
is that collagen is not completely broken down into those individual amino acids. Even when you take that powder form, we tend to have it absorbed in these groups of two or three amino acids together, not necessarily the individual ones. And we find these groups of these two and three amino acids, they're part of the skin structure, they're part of the joint structure. And so it's thought that maybe after digestion, they're specifically used in the skin and the joints. And they show this in animal studies, but of course we want to see what happens in humans, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this was their result, but again, out of the 19 studies, I'm sort of thinking, okay, this isn't really definitive that it's truly unique to collagen. And one of these studies by Koizumi, I think in 2017, this is one of the 19 studies titled The Effects of Dietary Supplementation with Fish Scale Derived Collagen Peptides on Skin Parameters and Condition, a randomized placebo-controlled double-blind study. That's a long title. But what was really, really cool about this study when I was kind of looking at these 19 studies is, first of all, they were just looking at collagen, right? So they weren't using this proprietary blend of whatever. So that was cool. And, And they had the conclusion that collagen significantly decreased wrinkles around the eyes and enhanced skin moisture and skin elasticity. Now, what was also really cool about this study is they put in pictures, actual photographs of the improvement in eye wrinkles in kind of comparison between a placebo subject and somebody who used collagen. And mm-hmm. and this is just great. I mean, you have to think that they're going to put in the photos of the most affected individuals, right? To really show the effect. They're yeah. not going to show the most subtle ones. Now, Patrick, <laughs> I showed the stuff. I showed the yes. photos to you. <laughs> what do you think? Was there a drastic effect in eye wrinkles from the collagen? No, I think if <laughs> if you were to now tell me that you were lying to me before about which one was which, I would just have to say okay. <laughs> There's very very little, very. and even with you telling me which one was which, I don't real. I mean, I, it's <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I showed them to somebody else. My friend John as well. And, and it was just, you know, you couldn't pick. I mean, if your life depended on it, you probably couldn't pick which is which, right? Yeah. And so this is what's really interesting about these studies. You know, we hear there's an effect and we always want to know, okay, that's interesting. They measured an effect somehow, whatever, however they're measuring wrinkles, they measured an effect. Is it clinically mm-hmm. significant, right? Do we actually notice a difference? And in, in my opinion, and what sounds like in your opinion, the clinical <laughs> effect of this, the obvious effect of this is I don't know that we would actually see any difference on the person talking to them, even looking very close up at them. I think the clinical significance is questionable or slight at best. What or how much does the dose matter in this conversation? When, when there is an effect, again, if, if, if there's a noticeable effect or, or otherwise, what are we talking about in, in dose? And is it, is it realistic as it relates to like what people are actually taking? Totally. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's really interesting about these studies is that the dose of collagen is actually pretty small. In that mm. Koizumi study I just mentioned with the pictures, the dose was three grams a day. And mm. then in the meta-analysis that was looking across the 19 studies, the dose ranged from less than one gram a day to up of upwards of 12 grams a day with an average dose of less than five grams. So, so two kind of points there. The first one being, if you're set on using collagen because you think the effects are there, you don't need countless cups of bone broth and and all these collagen powders and bars all day, right? Like you don't have to have that much for the effect that's been seen. 
Now, the other thing that makes me pause about that, though, is I'm really still skeptical that such a low dose of non-essential amino acids, you know, something like five grams a day, which is less than 5% of Mm. the protein that a lot of people are taking in on any given day, has like dramatic, significant effects. So this low dose thing to me is really interesting and still makes me think, is this just an effect of getting more protein? Is it really unique Mm. to collagen? Is there collagen in the food that we eat? Is that Mm -hmm. kind of what you're saying? Is just like, if we up the protein, we're effectively upping the collagen. Is that mm. roughly what's happening or that could, could happen? Be, yeah, that, that could be one way that we get more collagen for sure. Another way would just be because collagen can be made, these non-essential amino acids can be made from other ones that maybe just increasing protein from other sources will get us there. But yeah, it could just be by way of the foods that we eat, we get more collagen directly. And, you know, when I hear, when a supplement kind of, becomes so big like this and and kind of comes out of nowhere and now it's in everything and has all these quote effects it really just makes me wonder you know what was happening pre-2013 you know <laughs> how are we mm-hmm. getting by and living without <laughs> this type of thing yeah. and yeah. and it turns out there is collagen in foods right that is just a source of it it doesn't have to be in a powder form in a, in a 2019 paper by paul and others titled significant amounts of functional collagen peptides can be incorporated in the diet while maintaining indispensable amino acid balance. That's a page turner, right? Mm. (laughs) But they found that average collagen consumption in the U.S. ranged from three grams per day for individuals who weren't eating kind of sausage or hot dogs or deli meats because those would have skin casings or the gelatin fillers that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. But it would range up to 23 grams a day for people that were having more quantities of those items. So that then brings into this question of the effectiveness of the five grams a day kind of dose. Maybe they were already getting that type of dose from their diet. You know, and meat doesn't necessarily have a super high amount of collagen, but it does. It is surrounding kind of these muscle cells. And so some of these cuts of meat, you know, kind of like the beef chuck roast type thing, when we look at tenderization and and cuts that tend to need like the low and slow cooking, they are going to have a higher amount of collagen. That's that's Mm -hmm. what makes them a little bit tougher. So, you know, depending on what the person's food choices are, they might already be getting plenty of collagen in the foods that they're eating at doses where we supposedly have this beneficial effect. I think most of that was skin related or skin yes. health related, right? And the other one was joint health related. What, what do we totally. know about that? Of course, everything's complicated. There's actually 16 types of collagen, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> type one <laughs> is what we find in the skin and bones and type two is in cartilage. And so this is how we get to the idea that maybe collagen could be affecting our joints and maybe joint pain. And, and it turns out these different types of collagen do tend to have the same amino acid structure But I do think it's important to point out that when we think about, okay, collagen is in skin and collagen is in joints or in in cartilage, that it's not just collagen, that that cartilage has other components, skin has other components. But anyway, there is some research looking at collagen on joints. And we touched on this a little bit, actually, in the Quick Bites 5, because we had a question about osteoarthritis and pain. And there Mm. was a study by Lou in 2018 looking at dietary supplements for treating osteoarthritis. And, you know, they looked at 20 different supplements and and just quickly as a review, they found that seven demonstrated pain reduction in the short term and collagen was one of them. The problem was the pain reduction wasn't sustained for a long period of time, which is Mm -hmm. a bummer. And of course, where we want it, but you know, that's interesting. And then a second article actually found since that recording in 2019, 
by Garcia Coronado, Effect of Collagen Supplementation on Osteoarthritis Symptoms, a meta-analysis of randomized placebo-controlled trials. They also found that collagen helped decrease osteoarthritis symptoms. Now, symptoms can be pain, symptoms can be stiffness, can be range of motion type stuff. So the effect in pain wasn't really that consistent or obvious. They had sort of improvement in other symptoms. And it was from this two gram to 10 gram dose kind of from collagen. And so, you know, I think there's some evidence out there that would put this for people who are looking for joint health or, or osteoarthritis in the worth a shot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> category, because why not? Right. You know, if I had painful osteoarthritis, uh, I would be trying a lot of different things to uh, alleviate that pain. I sort of mentioned this again in the Quick Bites episode with my back pain, you know, science sort of be damned at a certain point, you know, just go based on hope and belief and see what happens, you know, and I have to kind of delineate that because, you know, there's not enough evidence to make this as this blanket recommendation that everyone's going to see this wonderful positive effect from this, but, you know, based on the science and and what I understand for the science to say, but I, I think that some people who have specific concerns, why not? Why not give it a shot and see what happens? And I think the same thing is true with skin health and aging. Like if you're worried about skin wrinkles and you like collagen enough to include it in your diet and it's at, you know, the five, 10 gram a day, why not? Why not see what happens? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think what's, we really have to hammer and I probably repeat myself ad nauseum on this is like, are we though focusing on, on the factors that really matter, right? Why not? But is there something else out there that I'm leaving on the table? That's, that's more important. Yeah. I would imagine that, especially at least in these two categories that we've been talking about the skin and the joint, that there are things perhaps less questionable, right? Right. Like clear, clearly not in the worth a shot bucket that we can do to improve, to enhance and all those things. Totally. Yeah. I mean, skin, everybody knows the effect of the sun on the skin. And Mm -hmm. and one of the papers I was looking at, you know, 80% of skin aging is due to UV radiation. So, you know, trying to reverse years and years of sun exposure with five grams of collagen a day, we're just not going to get there. You know, it's just not going to be this sort of dramatic improvement or even noticeable improvement. And then the kind of the same thing with osteoarthritis. I mean, some of it happens with just age wear and tear is kind of, it's known as the wear and tear version of arthritis. Some Mm -hmm. of the stuff we just can't really avoid. Joint injuries is another big one for osteoarthritis. I mean, once you kind of damage the joint, there's damage that can't be undone. But then also obesity is a main risk factor for osteoarthritis. Obviously, Mm. extra weight on the joints becomes a problem. And this is one of the big reasons why losing weight can really help with the quality of life. I mean, osteoarthritis certainly isn't as scary as a cancer diagnosis, but it certainly can be very debilitating and, and take away from the quality of your life if you can't get around, if you can't be mobile. And so you know, those would be things to consider. And and for people who do have osteoarthritis, again, we touched on this in the Quick Bites episode, but exercise is one of the things that we find over and over again that can potentially help, and especially resistance yeah. training, because that will provide some of the muscular strength around the joint to take some of the pressure off of the joint. And so, you know, sure, collagen could be in the worth a shot bucket, <laughs> but we have to make sure that we're we're definitely paying attention to these other factors as well. All right, before we let folks get back to their day, anything else about collagen worth mentioning that I didn't ask you about that you want to make sure you mention before we wrap up? Yeah, I just wanted to close out with 
the fact that I do use collagen as a supplement in my diet, right? So I just went through all this data on the fact that it doesn't really seem that convincing for, you know, improving skin health or even joint health, but yet I take it. And so I kind of wanted to explain that perhaps dichotomy. So I take collagen peptides. I mix in a scoop or two in the one or two cups of coffee I have in the morning. And it's not because I think it's improving my skin wrinkles. That would be nice though. And it's not because I think it's improving my osteoarthritis, although that would be great too. It's simply because mixing the scoop or two in my coffee in the morning gives me 10 to 20 grams of protein. And that just helps chip away at my total daily protein that I'm trying to have. So I try to get 120 grams of protein a day and having that 10 to 20 grams in the bank at breakfast, just for me sort of makes the day way more manageable, way more easy to hit that target day in and day out. So I just wanted to be clear that, that yes, I use it and I'm really just using it to make my protein target flexible and sustainable, not necessarily any specific collagen-related outcome. Thank you, EC. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. They do help new folks find the show, so please keep them coming. And we'll be back next week for another episode of The Consistency Project. see here. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Thank you as well for all the support for the five-star ratings and the reviews and for telling your friends or family about the podcast that really does help the podcast grow. And if you want to get the most recent info from me and be up to date on all of my content, the best place for that is my email list. So you can subscribe at optimizemenutrition.com slash email. I send out emails weekly-ish, <laughs> and that's also the best place to get your question in the queue for Quick Bites episodes. So again, that's optimizemenutrition.com slash email, and there's also a link in the show notes.